Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. Good morning. The best part about that blooper reel is Melissa's not even here today. Uh, Melissa is in London at Royal View Church, and she's speaking for Mother's Day there. And so uh, she has to speak twice. We only have to do this once. And so um, this morning, we have the privilege, privilege of having a panel discussion with you. For those of you that are new to Bethel, uh, we do this almost every Mother's Day, or we do some kind of style like this for Mother's Day and Father's Day, and it just gives uh, ladies in the room a chance to hear other ladies talk, and we try to talk openly. I don't try to talk much on Mother's Day uh, for obvious reasons, and so we try to share openly and honestly about life and what that's like um, in the real world, right? No, okay. It's a very interactive group this morning. Um, no, but if we're honest, life, life can be challenging. And so especially for parents, especially for uh, life that we live in. And so this morning, I'm going to do a quick introduction, or I should say I'm going to let them introduce themselves. And so we're going to start right here with Faye, and then she's going to introduce herself. So Faye, I'd love to know uh, your name, your husband's name, how many years you've been married, and how many children. So I am Faye Rutledge, as Pastor Chad just said. <laughs> yeah, you know. My husband's name is Ryan Rutledge, and we have been married, well, 16 years in September. So, you know, it feels, feels like a good amount of time. <laughs> um, and we have two fabulous living boys um, who are four and two, and then we have four precious heavenly children. And I'm Myrtle Mills. I'm married to Jim, and he's been a huge blessing in my life. We have one son, he's 47, and a wonderful daughter-in-law and two grandchildren aged 19 and 16. And I'm Morgan Knider-Patterson and my husband's Dan, and we've been married 17 years uh, this summer, and we have three kids, 23, 11, and nine. And so, Myrtle, how many years have you and Jim been married? Sorry, I missed that. Oh, you're that. okay. 48 going on 49. Very cool. Now, I apologize. I did say I might put some of you on the spot. But I normally ask when somebody has been married for that many years, can you give us all one word of advice to get us to 48 years? <laughs> one word? Well, choose relationship over issues. Very nice. Very nice. So we're going to jump right in. And one of the first questions is COVID-related. And I know immediately people are like, oh, man. But here's what I want. None of us in this room or online will uh, argue the fact that the last two years have been hard. But here's the question. I'd like to know, what have you learned over the past two years? And in the how in the last two years, how have the last two years benefited your family? So what have you learned? And what has been a benefit? And 
does anybody want to go first, or am I going to start picking people? We started on this end with Faith, so let's go to the far end with Morgan. Okay. Um, what I have learned is that impossible things are possible. So um, whether that was homeschooling, uh, well teaching online, um, or that I can survive without seeing my friends in, in person. I'm a pretty extroverted person, so I survived um, that. Um, but I also think a benefit was using the skill of creativity to problem solve different things. So um, COVID forced me to look outside of the box and find new solutions. Um, I think it built our skill of perspective taking, seeing multiple points of view and appreciating people's perspectives without jumping to conclusions. So our family had an opportunity to do that. And then um, one of the benefits was that we got to spend a lot of time together. Um, and so uh, I asked the kids this morning about that and spending a lot of time together, you get to know each other quite well. Um, and we discovered that we have lots of unconditional love for one another um, because you can't really escape um, hard times or whatever. So we got to spend lots of time with one another, enjoyed each other's company, and then forgave each other when we didn't enjoy each other's company. Um, so that was what we took away from the past few years. You can imagine that my situation was quite different, just Jim and myself. Uh, one thing I did learn very quickly was that life can change quickly. And are, am I ready for those changes? And it's challenging me spiritually to think of I don't, the fact that I don't know what is ahead, but I need to be preparing in my spirit man for whatever because our world is troubled. And it also... Uh, we were able to keep our family unit uh, under our one our bubble, so to speak, because we're small. And uh, we had some differences of opinions on some things, but again, that choosing the relationship over the issue works and works very well. Uh, and so, um, we we did okay. And I I think the, one of the benefits, the real benefits of COVID was the fact that we've never been TV watchers, and so we've never had cable. And we got a satellite dish, and we began to watch Daystar. And so we had continual spiritual feeding when almost whenever we wanted it. And uh, I think it's caused us to grow. And the other real benefit, too, was that our grandson, Ben, who's in grade 10, uh, came out of the public school system and they put him into a Christian school, uh, Discipleship Christian Secondary School, and he has just thrived there and uh, certainly seen him grow spiritually. So. And for us, it was a little challenging because the pandemic was declared on the 13th and we had our youngest on the 26th. And so, being told right off the beginning that you can't have family was a very big challenge uh, to support you when you have a newborn baby. So one of the things that I would say that we learned is how to better communicate as a family, uh, not only with having a toddler in tow and having a new baby, and then also adding my husband at home to help, and I needed to be better at communicating. And 
I learned that very quickly, that I needed to communicate my needs and what I needed and what needed to be done and what the baby needed and what the toddler needed and what the dishes needed. <laughs> um, very, very quickly. We learned these things very quickly. Um, and then the benefit was just that, though. Like, the communication has been so much stronger in our family, just even with, with our four-year-old. Like, he will say, no, I don't like that. Like, or, oh, that hurts my feelings. And so it's, it's been a very big benefit to us to have that uh, family time forced, yes, but also Ryan's work didn't stop. He works in agricultural, and so it kept going. And so he had to go back to work. So it was one of those challenges then for me as a mom. How do I, how do, I do this all at the same time and yet continue the communication with our children and with my spouse at the same time? So very good benefits. So one of the things... Uh, that we're learning about. I'll read Matthew 22, verse 37 and 39. And it says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is this, is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So many times as we read this and we talk about it in church, we talk about loving God first, we talk about loving our neighbors, um, but in the last couple of years, one of the things we've also heard a lot about is mental health because of what the negative side. We just talk about benefits, but there's a lot of negative. And so we talk a lot in the last little while about mental health. And one of the things we hear about in mental health is self-care. And so when Jesus says that we're supposed to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and love your neighbors yourself, we sometimes read that scripture and miss the part where I'm supposed to love my neighbor as myself. So how do I love myself? And so one of the words we've uh, heard in the last little while, if you, if you hear people talk on mental health, you'll hear a term called self-care. And so this morning, I just wanted to ask these ladies uh, what that term means to them and how do you self-care? If you do self-care, what does that look like? And so I'll let you guys, uh, Myrtle, you haven't gone first yet. Am I too much to throw you? Okay, so you go first. Self-care is something that I've been aware of. Uh, I think it starts by forgiving yourself for past mistakes and allowing yourself to be real. Uh, I know that for me, self-care has to begin with a spiritual part of me, my spirit. If I don't feed my spirit on a regular basis, I get disgruntled and grumpy on the inside. And I'm sure that it begins to affect the people around me. And so I've never been really good at nailing down a time for my devotion. I've been all over the time, all over the time clock with regards to which time suits best. But I have come to the conclusion that the morning, first thing in the morning, is my best time before I get anything else running through my head. And if you remember Pastor Chad's demonstration a couple of weeks ago about our priorities and not putting uh, Jesus first in our hearts, uh, that's, it looked so confusing and, and, and cumbersome when things were out of place. But as soon as Christ was in the center of our heart, it all seemed so organized and, and had purpose and flowed more easily. And that works. It really does. Then the other part of self-care is I believe I have to put myself together. I believe if I look my best, I will feel my best. And if I feel my best, I will do my best. 
And it works for me. It may not work for everybody, but I'm just not a 10 o'clock pajama person. I just can't do it. I feel frumpy and I feel like I don't know where to focus. And so that's important for me. And you might be surprised. I carried that through on COVID too. Uh, it just works better for me. And I don't believe in uh, being bored. I think there's always something to do. Uh, that's part of my self-care. I am happier when I'm doing something. And um, there's many opportunities out there. I believe if you're bored, you need to build a service station. Uh, works for me. I've tried it over and over again. The other thing about self-care is just having some time for me and my friends. I really did miss my one, my face-to-face -face friendships with uh, my friends during COVID. And so um, I make time to get together with friends. Sometimes it's a, an e-card, sometimes it's a telephone call or a text or Best of all, coffee. Thanks. Who wants to go next? I can. <laughs> um, so I had this question, and I kind of laughed when he asked about self-care, um, because it's not something that I do well. Um, but I think the reason being is because it requires a lot of um, effort to do self-care. So for a mom, I think it can be quite exhausting to add self-care to your to-do list. Um, you know, because we hear about what self-care is and you kind of roll your eyes at a bubble bath and, you know, time for yourself and a hot coffee that you're sipping with two hands on it. That's a joke we have in our family that um, one sister is able to do that more than the other two. Um, <laughs> and so... Um, you know, I, and then I get stuck that self-care would be exercise, and you're like, where do I have time for that? And so what I've learned over the years, um, actually, scratch that, what I've learned over the years, it's like I'm really old. <laughs> and like, <laughs> over the years, I've learned, no, I'm just going to say I've learned this. Um, I'm not ready to say that yet. Um, <laughs> that I have learned... Uh, that there's a concept called self-compassion, which when I discovered this concept, it resonated a bit more with me. And that's the idea of being kind to yourself and treating yourself like you would a good friend. And that can be done on a daily basis. So uh, when you're stuck in your thoughts, you can talk to yourself like you would a friend. Um, and so there's three components of self-compassion. The first being aware of how you're feeling. The second being offering yourself kindness and then the third being there's a concept of common humanity that we're all struggling or dealing with these things and so um, even today I was thinking for the moms out there um, or the women everybody actually men included is like today's the day that you can offer yourself self-compassion for some of you you're going to be struggling because you've lost your mom some of you might have lost a sister some of you might be waiting for your baby to come. Some of you might know that a child of your own is not an option. Um, and then some of you may have lost your own child. And so offering yourself self-compassion today is, you know, how are you feeling? What is it that you need? How can you be kind and know that you're not alone? And so just having that dialogue in our head, I think, is more achievable for me um, than offering myself 
um, self-care, which I do. And to Myrtle's point, during COVID, I realized that all my hobbies involve people um, and doing things outside of my house. So that was a little bit um, challenging. Um, I did look in um, Colossians 3.12, and it says, clothe yourself in compassion, just in case there were people like saying, well, self-compassion seems a little bit, you know, new agey, trendy, whatever. <laughs> um, but it is there. And clothe yourself in compassion, kindness, humility, and gentleness. So I made a few connections that kindness would be offering yourself a break, um, doing something nice for yourself. Humility would be asking for help when you need it. Gentleness would be talking to yourself kindly or gently, noticing things in your schedule and easing things up there. And then patience would be looking at your expectations for yourself and making those realistic. Um, and when you're noticing your feelings there, that it's um, what we should expect of ourselves today versus what we expected of ourselves three years ago are not the same things. And um, our head spaces aren't where they were three years ago. I think collectively uh, the planet has experienced a trauma. So um, to readjust our expectations of ourselves. Um, but to your point about self-care, um, one maybe tip or trick would be looking at it from the perspective of what repletes us, brings us energy versus what depletes us. And so I've gone through this practice of making a list of things that give me energy and things that take my energy. And if you're needing some self-care, then going to the list of things that need, like that give you energy. For me, that's going out for coffee, maybe going for a walk, um, but things that take my energy are hanging out with draining people. And so I may step back from doing that if I just don't have the capacity to, to do that. And so that's kind of my answer to self-care there. I like the self-compassion because I think if to love our neighbors, if we begin to forgive ourselves, realize everybody else struggles, everybody else has these faults, everybody goes through these things, we can look at our neighbors with a lot more grace because especially if our neighbors don't know Jesus, we can't, we can't put them at a level of expectation to have the same um, ethics, morals that we have because they never signed up for it. And so to have that, to walk through that, that's really healthy. That's really good. Yeah, uh, Morgan was saying before the service about the self-compassion, and I was like, oh, that's great. That's so great. Being a mom of littles, like self-care, I agree. It is one of those things on the checklist. And when do you ever get your whole checklist done? <laughs> I, I mean it politely, but man, kudos to you if you can get your checklist done. I have that constant running list, and uh, self-care is on that list. And it is tricky to do when you work full-time, and then you know your weekends are filled doing things with your family or just even catching up on laundry because that seems to never end. Um, so one of the things for me, uh, similar to what Morgan was saying, is grace. I end up giving myself a lot of grace because I don't know about you, but I lay in bed at night and I think through my entire day, every moment, 
every situation that I had. And sometimes I'm like, ooh, I really, really didn't do great at that. Or I could have done better there. Or ooh, my word was a little harsh. And so then I have to remind myself, whoa, hold on, give yourself grace. You are still learning. Parenting is hard. Marriage is hard. Life is difficult. And so to give yourself that um, grace, I've found has been much more uh, self-care to me. And I know it's more like a mental self-care, but more than a physical self-care, because physical self-care... I am right with Morgan. I am very much a social person, if you haven't noticed. Um, I like people, and um, I'm, I would spend a lot of time with them. However, it is also good for me to take a step back and take a few breaths and take some time on my own. And um, Similar to Myrtle, I feel very, very short uh, and impatient often when I am not spending my time with God. And um, in my line of work, when I'm working with lots of little people, I definitely find that my patience is running slightly thin on those times when I haven't spent my morning with God or on the times when I'm not stopping and praying through the day or even having that continual conversation with God. So I find it's one of those things where if I'm strongly rooted in Christ and in that conversation with God constantly, that that is something that just rejuvenates my soul and it can cause me so much like self-love and self, like it, it's really good that way. So as I spoke with these uh, wonderful ladies before the service and they were telling me just how challenging it is for self-care, um, I told them I'd take a minute here because... Um, I want to talk to the men in the room, and I don't want men to leave here discouraged, and I also don't even like men leaving here discouraged on a Father's Day, um, because that happens. We praise moms on Mother's Day, and we kick dads on Father's Day. But dads, I, dads, I am going to kick you a little bit, and here's why. So many guys I know that have kids, doesn't matter what age, have no problem having time to go on a hunting trip, a fishing trip, playing baseball or hockey regularly, doing all of these fun activities, which I think are great. But to hear moms say, well, I don't have time for self-care, that kills me. Because that lets me know, men, that when we're out doing all of our activities, our spouses are at home holding down the fort and for some reason, because we work full-time, so do you, that we get to go away. And if our spouses go away, I had somebody in the grocery store one time. I had my two kids with me. And this older gentleman in front of me turned around, and he saw me with my kids. And he's like, oh, so good for you to be babysitting. And I looked at him, and I said, actually, I call it parenting. To which there was two ladies standing there with their kids, and they smiled real big and nodded. <laughs> so men, if your wife does not have time to self-care, but you're out playing sports, or you're out doing whatever hobbies you can do, and your wife doesn't have time for self-care, this morning, every one of you should be hearing, wow, I need to step up 
I need to make sure that my wife has time for a coffee, has time to get out. Encourage them to self-care because you get to. There, love all you guys. It was, and sometimes I apologize, but I'm not really apologetic for that one. Yes, you don't need to apologize. I'm just like, cool. Actually, I heard, I heard Perry Noble say this years ago, and it's so true. And I'm not picking on golfers in the room. It was just his illustration. He said this, if you were a, if you were a father of young kids, your golf score should not improve. So you still get to go out, but just not enough that you get better. You can comfort them. Go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. Or you could just take your kids golfing with you, and then mom could stay home, and you could bond with your children or something like that. Um, But I would say, like, for the dads who got, like, a heavy hit there, maybe um, one way that it might feel overwhelming to do that task, like, where where, every time I try something, she complains (laughs) that this isn't what she wanted. So, like, back to that statement um, that I made about creating the list, maybe have a conversation about what is it that brings you energy, because we had this conversation, like, if Dan, for instance, was to, like, draw me a bath and put rose petals and lavender, I'd be like, give me, like, (laughs) thanks. Uh, that's not my love language, and so... I just, I just heard somebody saying to Dan, hint, 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 and it's like, no, no, listen to the whole thing. No, she doesn't no, want this. I don't want it. So just, like, know, know your spouse and have that conversation of, like, what is it that you would like and what is it that depletes you? So when there's effort being put in, that it matches the the hope or the expectation. So, you know, calling me, for me, the bubble bath, I'd be like, ugh. But the, um, you know, if he arranged that I could go out for a friend and the kids were taken care of and and maybe even called the friend to make sure, because this is the thing with moms, as Pastor Chad was saying, is like for moms to go out, you need to coordinate your schedule, your kids' schedule, your friend's schedule, your husband's schedule, your friend's husband's schedule. And you need to make sure that, in my example, going out for coffee, because this has happened, that once all of those things are coordinated, you get to the coffee shop and it's closed. And so you, uh, like, so just coordinating kind of all of those elements um, and just knowing your your spouses, the, what repletes and what depletes and speaking. Either take something away for them or give them something they enjoy. Can I just add to that? Many times as a young mom, you are so tired, just physically exhausted. And if there's some way that you could help facilitate her to have a good rest... Uh, she'll be better for it, and so will the whole family. And I'd really encourage husbands to speak words of encouragement. Words are powerful. And if you can just notice what your wife is doing and like acknowledge it and, and give her a word of praise for all that she's carrying, it'll make a real difference. 
One of the things that I actually was studying um, when Josiah was little in the summer, I was um, doing this study about emotional health and physical health uh, and emotional load and mental load and what females carry. And it is insane what we as females, not, not mothers, not just married, just as females, what the script we have going on in our heads, it is it baffles me like when you think about what Morgan was saying just well then we need to coordinate this schedule and this schedule and this and then oh wait if we're leaving over a meal time or over a snack time we need to make sure that there is a healthy snack ready and available because you know it just has to be that way and and it's one of those things where even if we get to the coffee date with all those things planned our our head will still be doing that um, mental game, that, that time of going around and around um, while we're sitting through things. Uh, one of the examples is, is going out somewhere. One of these, one of these times we were, we were going away somewhere and I said, I said, okay, so remember the mental and emotional load that I've been talking about. So Ryan, you get everything ready to go. <laughs> Yeah, so our baby at that time didn't have any diapers. Sorry, honey, I'm throwing you under the bus. Um, and the baby at that time didn't have any diapers, didn't have a change of clothes. And of course, we didn't bring snacks, which is, as we all know, with little children, you need snacks. Um, so all of these things were, uh, were one of those like, uh-oh, oh no. And as I'm sitting there and I was like, you did it, honey. You got this. Like, you understand how much... I need to get ready to get out the door. And at that point, he looked at me and he's like, yeah, thank you. And I was like, thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. You know, it's, it's a lot more than just what you think. Right? It is. And that's where, like, I think, Myrtle, what you said, too, is, like, words of affirmation, words of, con like, confirmation, just, you know, appreciation of, you know, thanks for making dinner. Thanks that I have clean clothes. Although, like, and... Just the, like, like, guys can do laundry. But I. And like, my mom stopped folding my clothes years, like when I was in my teens, because of just how picky I was. And so at our house, I do most of the laundry too, and it's, it's spreading that out. Because you're right, when we go to get out the door, there is so much stuff going on. And so as we, as we encourage couples, and as you were speaking just also to uh, ladies and just how much we carry and stuff like that, um, Titus, oh, I lost my spot. Here we go. Titus uh, 2, 3 to 5, it says this. Likewise, teach the older women to be relevant in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. And then urge, this is what I want, and then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, to be pure, to be busy, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one can mangle the word of God. I want to talk about spiritual mothering. This is what I'm looking for, is spiritual mothering. And so the scripture here, it talks about a lot of stuff, but basically what it's talking about is we are to mentor and teach younger generations. And so, Morgan, I know you just said you didn't want to say, like, through my years of experience, but we're going to talk about mothering younger generations and helping younger generations. And so what I want to talk about a little bit is um, 
who is somebody that you have learned from and um, did they actually even know that they were a mentor in your life? So who wants to go first? I can hop in. Uh, so uh, I didn't necessarily grow up in the church. I grew up around the church, I'd say. Um, and, uh, that's, I know it's an interesting statement, but, uh, just because you attend church doesn't mean that you're actually gaining the wisdom and relationship of God. And so, uh, that's why I use the term around church because I knew about God. I knew about the relationship, but I didn't really, uh, prosper. I would say in that until my high school years. And that's whenever I had a mentor, um, Susie, who works for YFC, many of you know, Susie and Susie grabbed onto me and she was able to um, <laughs> guide my wayward heart at that time to, to very much a place where you need to grow in this relationship, 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 like pour your time into God and, and sit back and listen. Um, and actually there was another person, Donna, who then she poured in and saying the same thing, but she was more of the person to tell me to listen. And so it's one of those things where, where then I learned how to listen to God in a different sense and praying, uh, expectantly waiting and listening for God. Um, mentors though changed throughout my life because I changed like even this morning where Morgan was saying about self-compassion I'm like oh that's so good there's so much that we can learn from each other where um, I try to be as open as what I can to learn from other people because man even Myrtle man you've been through 48 years that's amazing like I can learn so much from you right? We all can. And so it's one of those things, if you are open to learning from people, like, man, the wisdom that we will gain from others is, is amazing. In my notes that just this concept of always learning um, and using that curiosity um, that you can gain, uh, you can learn from people older than you and younger than you. And I've noticed in the past year, I've learned a lot um, from my daughter um, in just the questions that she asks and um, the way, the things that she is working through and the challenges that she faces. Um, and then also the questions that she's asking of me, which then forced me to think about, well, that's just a pretty pat answer, isn't it? <laughs> and so uh, now I need to dig deeper. So, um, yeah, learning from lots of different people, whether it's in the church or outside of the church. I have mentors, I would say, within the church, but then outside of the church for different facets of my life. And I believe that all of them are valuable to the person that I am and the walk that I have in my faith. Um, I was going to say, other people I've learned from, my mom is in the room, and I would add her to my list of people um, that I've learned from, kindness, patience, perseverance, um, to be a servant. Um, and your question was whether or not it was intentional or not. I assume that there was some, but I don't know if those characteristics necessarily were intentional, um, but it was just witnessing those attributes in her life that spread those on to my sisters and I. Um, and then I have to give a shout out. We didn't know that we were going to be on the panel together, Myrtle and I, but I do have to give a shout out because she made the list of mentors for me. And I remember uh, when our youngest was 
um, a baby. Uh, he didn't sleep for like five years. Um, and so that kind of had some impacts on my mental health. And so I would come to church because it was what you, would spo- you were supposed to do, uh, make it look like you had it all together with your baby in tow. And then I would head off to the nursery, and Myrtle would be in the nursery. And I don't remember a word of any sermon that was preached except for the time that I got to spend in the nursery with Myrtle. And it wasn't necessarily anything um, that she said, although I do remember there were, there were things that were said. But it was just her way of being that she would listen, and she wasn't judgmental about how I was feeling and that I could come to church and felt like I belonged despite not being in a service. So um, so I really appreciated having Myrtle. Um, and she took on my kids, and we had them over for dinner so my kids could practice manners. <laughs> and, um, and that was a nice connection. But I remember Myrtle saying, too, that, um, you know, because your grandchild was further away, it was nice to have that connection of, being connected to younger kids, so I think it was, I think it was mutual. Um, <laughs> so, but I did appreciate uh, Myrtle in the nursery, especially when I was younger, um, and navigating all the challenges of a non-sleeping mom. Thank you, Morgan. You know, the interesting thing is, I really don't recall what our conversations were about, and I think that speaks to the fact that sometimes just being there and being encouraging has such power. I think back when I was 19, 20, I was in Calgary uh, doing my nurse's training and I went to a church there and no one befriended me. Uh, I can remember standing at the bus stop and cars would go by and by and the bus stop was right outside the church and only once did someone give me a ride. And I look back on those years, I made some mistakes, and I think what it would have meant to me if someone had befriended me as a spiritual mom uh, and maybe invited me into a Bible study or something like that, it it would have changed my life. Uh, I could have avoided some of the pitfalls. So uh, anybody at any stage can be an encourager. Now, I would say there are people here in the church that are my mentors. Uh, They're all younger than me. (laughs) I'm getting to the point where I'm probably one of the oldest ones here, if not the oldest one. And that's okay. You know, as I read that scripture in Titus, I read it in the ASV, and it said, uh, and the aged women. And I thought, aged? Oh, (laughs) I don't like any of those old, old words, and I don't apply them to myself because I don't feel aged or old. I think it's all about how you feel in your spirit. And so, uh, you know, we need, we need each other. And I would say, now this may not fit the, the description of a mentor, but Joyce Meyer has been a mentor for me. She is so practical, so honest, so um, just forthright in what's happened to her. And I've gained a lot through her teaching. And the one book that I would recommend to absolutely everyone is The Battlefield of the Mind. Because 
You know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he, or so does he become. And I have gained so much learning how to be aware of what I'm thinking and knowing that I can change that with God's help. And uh, I just recommend it highly. Thank you. Yeah, that's, it's a great book for everybody to read. And that's why scripture tells us take captive our thoughts, right? And um, when it comes to the mentors, it's so important in our lives, I believe. And I love how you guys said, like, we're learning from, we learn from people that are older than us. I would never use the word ancient. That is a great translation, though. I learned from people that are ancient than I am. Um, and also, we learn from those who, like you were talking about, as Morgan shared, like we learn from those who are the same age. And Morgan, I love the fact that you said, like, I'm learning from my daughter. Like, we learn, if we live life openly, we can realize how much we can learn from anybody and everybody. Everybody has something to teach us. We can learn from everybody. Um, I just want to ask you another quick question. I'm watching time for us. Um, but when you think about this, how important is it for your children to have someone pouring into their lives that's not you? How important is that? Uh, and the question is, like, how is that going to happen? Yeah, like, like, so the follow-up to that is if we think it's important, what do we do about it? Um. Well, this is something that we're working on, um, and so I feel pretty um, hashtag blessed uh, to have the family that I'm a part of, that we have strong relationships with our family on both sides, so we have that connection. And then I'm also thankful for this community of, of people, whether it be in the children's program, um, whether it just be Sunday mornings, that I feel like, whether it's our... 23-year-old, 11-year-old, or 9-year-old, I always say, like, they have an army of people that love them. And in my role as an educator, um, I get to see regularly um, kids who don't have one person that's cheering for them. And um, a predictor of happiness and success in life, um, however you want to define that, um, is that you would have that developmental asset of people in your a corner, and so I just am grateful for this community, and then also my own family, um, and then just building those intentional relationships one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, COVID's probably slowed that process down a lot. It's hard to build um, relationships online um, that way, but it is in our intentions. I'd just like to go back and say that uh, if I in that ASV version, it said aged, A-G-E-D, not ancient. So if... I'm so sorry. I heard ancient. If no, I, I'm sorry. I'm so I, sorry. Aged, now I feel really bad. No, a, aged like good wine. So if everybody else in the room heard aged, then I apologize for my ears being ancient. That was actually probably a rude joke as well. So there again, I just, I apologize.
But I will say, you said it depends on your spirit, on how you feel, and relating that to um, a wine would be dead accurate. You can be sweeter with age oh, if you choose to. Yeah. Listen, I had Did many I just make years. Up for that? Did I do well? <laughs> I had many years when I felt like 120. So I don't care what number you put on me. I am 81 and looking at 82 pretty soon. And it's, it's all about how you feel and not about your body. Anyway, to the question of, of uh, do our children need someone else to pour into our lives? Absolutely. I pray that every day that our, ch uh, our son and, and daughter-in-law and the grandchildren will have people that will pour into their lives, will influence them for good, and uh, draw out the best in them. Uh, because sometimes they've heard us so often that they can no longer hear what we're saying. And they need to hear it from someone else in maybe just a slightly different way. Yeah, for me, it really hit um, when the church was doing the emotionally healthy spirituality. A part of my uh, small group, it was uh, a mixed amount of ages. And quite a few of the people in there were talking about how their children, how they longed for them to know God. And it was one of those things where I was like, oh, man, like, like, but you've brought them up in the church. Like, you've brought them to church. You've taught them so much about God, and yet they're still struggling. And so it was at that time where I was like, oh man, I got to really pick out people who I, I really find is important in our kids' lives. And I wouldn't say we've mastered that yet. Uh, I'd say we're similar to Morgan in the sense where we're working on it. Um, to build relationships over uh, screen is not something we wanted for our children. And so it's something where we are pursuing those in person. Um, and we are getting to the point where I'd say our children are um, loving that. We do have, we call them adoptive grandparents, uh, and we have made it a priority to have these adoptive grandparents who don't like to be called grandparents. They like Gigi and Jeepa because they, they keep saying they're too young, and now they actually have one of their grandchildren of their own, so now they have no choice to be called grandpa and grandma, but um, we, we definitely value uh, Gigi and Jeepa in a way where they are teaching our children um, a different way to love and a different way to be than what we are. And we love that. And so we do want to find the right people, as Morgan was saying, to pour into our children's lives. And we hope that you as a church family will do that as we continue to grow. Mm -hmm. I think that's so important. And um, Melissa is actually, I didn't realize this when we sent, started talking questions and stuff, but she's actually speaking on spiritual mothering this morning. Um, and so if you want to have something to do, Royal View Church in London, you can watch their YouTube and see what she spoke on. Um, but one of the things that we've learned with, when it comes to mentoring is none of us feel qualified. So just throw that out right now. If you're like, well, I don't know if I'm qualified. None of us feel like we're qualified. All we have to be is one step ahead of the person that's behind us. That's it. And some of the people that we've invested the most in that, I, talking to them, you begin to understand how much you've invested and you didn't even realize you were. Um, we just invited them into our life. 
So it wasn't like, okay, let's sit down, let's pull out notebooks and let's mentor. We just had people that were in our lives. So they were in our house, they were in our car, they were around our family, good and bad. <laughs> so like, like all the moments, and um, I can use Melissa as an illustration because she's not here. Um, but there's one young lady that she's actually going to reference this morning in her message that Melissa poured into, and literally all it was was this girl was always at our house, like always. And she began to babysit her kids a bit, and when we went back to Strathroy to paint our house, she showed up, and she was painting, and to a point where like, you just invite them in, to a point where if you don't know Melissa really well, um, if she gets, she gets hangry, so if she's hungry, she gets crabby. Um, to a point where this young girl, she was a teenager, and she would carry granola bars in her backpack, <laughs> hanging out with Melissa. And she would just be, they would be somewhere, and she'd just be like... <laughs> so just invite them in. There was no judgment. It was, hey, we learn life together. And that's how they see that Christians walk through challenging times, still love Jesus, still serve Jesus. Jesus does mighty things through imperfect people. And we just have to be honest with that. So as we wrap up, um, one encouraging word for ladies today. Pray. Pray? Yeah, that's my definitely pray in the tough, pray in the, in the easygoing, pray. Just pray. It doesn't have to be big contentment if you're content nobody can touch you really uh you know contentment is not so much about what you want as it's about being thankful for what you have i'd echo um what faye said about prayer but um also we have a story that we don't have time to share but just to know that god loves your kids more than you do and um that's hard to imagine but uh, we've had situations in our life where um, one time in particular, it was a good reminder that um, it was evident that once we prayed, um, God took care of the situation. And um, and then the other thing, too, is Dan's grandma, who's in heaven now, but she prayed all of the time. And it's encouraging to know how much she prayed for, for Dan and uh, where he is in his life now. Um, and then also... Um, that all of her prayers are eternal, right? So she prayed for our kids, and they keep on going on. And so being able to trust that God's got it taken care of when my life seems a bit out of control. <laughs> so, Well, ladies, it's been phenomenal talking with you and learning more about you. And so can we give a hand to these wonderful ladies? Before you go, I just want to pray over you real quick, and then we are going to do some draws. And so, Father, we thank you for these wonderful ladies. And, Lord, we just pray over the Kniter patterson home, and we pray over the Mills home, and we pray over the Rutledge home. Father, your mercies, your grace, your compassion. And, Father, I just pray over these incredible ladies that, Lord, you will bless them, that you will love upon them. And, Lord, I pray that uh, as they seek you to find out what to do next, what step to take, how to lead their families, that, Lord, they will hear you so clearly. And so, Lord, we thank you for their openness, their stretching to come this morning, and, Lord, just their truthful words. And we just thank you for the incredible wisdom we've learned today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.
God bless you guys. You can head down. Thank you so much. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well.